They're young, they're cute, they're hip, they're wacky. Yeah, but can they act? What? Act! Every girl, welcome back to 50% Fresh, a podcast we fucking made up where we revisit old <laughs> movies, not even that old, that got weird and bad reviews. They're old in so far as they are out. <laughs> they ain't brand new. Yeah, sorry, I'm yelling. I came in pretty hot to start, didn't I? It's, you know, the spicy <laughs> picture. So it makes sense that it might rile you up a little bit. I, you know, we did some we did some straightforward takes of the intro, and I didn't like them, so I came in spicy, as you said. What's the movie today? Spicy indeed. <laughs> they don't just sing. It's the Spice Girls movie, Spice World. No, that's a really mean thing you just said about them. They don't just sing. Who would say that about that? That's like a mean thing to say, right? <laughs> they said that it was the tag it's on their it's on the poster. It's crazy. No, it's not crazy. It's uh, it's it's tongue in cheek, is what it is. Sure, but it's from 1997 when the Spice Girls were. It's it was it actually aligned fully with their rising popularity. Yeah, yeah. It was rushed out because shortly after they had um, put plans in place to make a movie, they had put out an album and. I, I believe four songs from it that were singles hit number one. So then uh, there was a meeting on November 1st, 1996, uh, between various people that we will detail later. And the following year, November 1st, 2000, 1997, <laughs> mm-hmm. they delivered the movie. Finished movie. So between that tw- exact 12-month period, they had a pre-production meeting Came up with some sort of a script, yep. allegedly, yep. and filmed, did the whole post-production process, yeah. and said, here you go. Got some new songs in there, even, too. And let me tell you, it, it shows. It's rough around the edges, you know. I don't know. I uh, <laughs> the, the best thing about this movie is that if you if it somehow lets you down, then you're kind of being weird. Or, you know, like, if you came in thinking, like, all right, this is probably <laughs> pretty good. Yeah, well, I was fully... In the bag for this movie. We should from talk the about get-go. that. Let's talk uh, about the Spice Girls and us. So, <laughs> <laughs> I was like six years old in 1997, and like most other little girls, I was fully, f- fully enamored with the Spice Girls. It was right and, there for you, yeah. Oh, of course. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. awesome. So I have a major soft spot for this movie, and I, I bought it on VHS when it came out. It came with a poster. I believe I still have the poster. Did you kind of have it up for a while, like um, in one of your places when we, or the closer when we first met? You had a Spice Girls poster, Certainly, right? Certainly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. It's a relic <laughs> at this point. That's awesome. You probably told me that before, but that's just, yeah, that's great. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> they were the first, the first concert I ever attended, yeah. Spice Girls. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. This tracks. Yeah. This is like your. I had, they were like my Beatles and if, if I was born in the 60s. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I had all of. I had the merch. I bought anything that had their faces on it. I had all the Barbies, the little 
weird trading cards that came with suckers or something like that. I don't mm -hmm. know. I don't even know. <laughs> Whatever they were doing. Whatever they were trying to sell me, I was asking my parents to buy for me. So like the Beatles before, you succumbed to the mania they inspired. Spice mania. You had spice mania. I sure did. It was a chronic case. And have you been vaccinated since, or what do you do? I don't believe in that. <laughs> Here we are. I mean, you didn't get sick when we watched the movie. I heard that Spice Girls vaccine makes you violently sick if you... See, right, we're wading into dangerous waters here. All right, listen, we don't need to do that. Let's back up. Yeah. What about you, though? You were uh, you were very much not a six year old girl in 1997. No, I was no, I was not. I was uh, so in '97, I would not have had my birthday yet until October of that year is when I celebrated. Uh, I was then what? So 13, um, into movies and everything else. Didn't see Spice World. Um, I think, you know, we talked about it a little bit, I forget, maybe with Basic Instinct and some of the backlash stuff there where we were just talking about how now I look back in the 90s, I was very aware, uh, I'm not going to pretend to be cooler than I was, but I was very aware of that weirdness about everyone thinking Britney Spears and the Spice Girls were so hot, but also they just fucking hated them so much, you know, like, I remember thinking that was a little bit weird and stuff like that. And by no means was I a Spice Girls fan, but I will say, occasionally there would be pop songs I uh that that did I did kind of I kind of like some of the Spice Girls songs compared to let's say the NSYNCs or Backstreet Boys whatever whatever was going on where because they were just like peppier and up tempo and they just had energy to them you know mm -hmm. so by no means would I ever seek it out or anything but I, I never had that like f I fucking hate them so fucking much or something I feel like when you're a 13 year old boy and that's happening may maybe that was in the air a little bit. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, no, and again, I mean, I probably, you know, I probably, uh, again, I, who, who knows, but... Um, Did you hear about the movie? Were you aware of it? I'm trying to even, you know, I think in that, in that Vegas sense, they have a movie now, and I, I'm sure it makes sense, because I remember, like, I was I was aware enough of, like, you know, even not being a pop music fan, but pop culture at large, like, they're so big, it just makes sense, throw them a movie. I don't think I got it, I just got that it wasn't for me the same way that, like, if, like, a kid's cartoon turns into a movie... Oh, yeah, yeah, the Rugrats movie or whatever. It's like, it's just not for me, but I get why it would exist. But I just, sure. I, I, I think uh, if you'd asked me at a lot of points in my life, if I would have seen Spice World by the end of my life, I would have been surprised to find out that I had. <laughs> Again, not like saying, hell no, I'll never watch it. It just, you know, it just seemed outside of my, but that being said, I kind of liked it. Oh, yeah. A lot to like in there. If you go in with reasonable expectations and sure. sit with a lifelong Spice Girls fan. So yeah, so that's kind of it, you know, like uh, uh, maybe what you'd expect. Like I said, I was vaguely aware of the Spice Girls. Wannabe especially was a pretty inescapable song, you know. So I think like anyone else, I may have at its peak been a little sick of that. <laughs> but but no, no big deal. Wasn't that worked up about him? Um, but you had, you mentioned that if younger Mark heard that you would, in fact, sit through the, uh, the Spice Girls movie <laughs> and kind of, kind of enjoy it, <laughs> partially enjoy it, uh, I think maybe part of the surprise is you really can't find it anywhere Yeah. in an odd way. Uh, I haven't watched it. I saw it, you know, countless times when I was a kid and I had the VHS, you know, that was not an absurd thing to own and use. Um, I watched it a lot, but then it sort of disappeared in the way that things can in modern times where it's not really readily available on any streaming platforms mm -hmm. and it's also really hard to find it on dvd yeah it, things used to be not to get all wax all nostalgic but there used to be everything was a little universal you just like think of a movie you haven't seen in a while hey why don't i go to the video store where they have everything but now it's like movies exist in the streaming world and if you haven't seen them on a thing in a while they sort of drift away from our memory and then or even something like this you can a lot of things you can then just oh i can rent it for three bucks on on youtube or whatever whatever but like mm -hmm. 
movies like this that, again, are far from obscure, have now this newfound obscurity. So we found a DVD of it. It, I, I, it cannot be official. Let's just put it that way. We were able to see the movie for what it's worth. We were so able we're, to watch we're, it. we're boned up on it, but yeah, it was... Uh... So the... Uh, I'll just read the plot directly from, from Google because I thought it, it encapsulated everything I like that, well. yeah. Hang on to your knickers, pump up your platforms, and fasten your seatbelts because the Spice Girls, that's right, baby, ginger, scary, and sporty and posh, are taking center stage in their feature film debut, Spice World, a roller coaster ride which will spice up your life and open your eyes very wide. <laughs> Is that, you know, that's a uh, truth in advertising. Good. It's pretty good. You have the nice spice up your life. Uh, the, you know, open your eyes very wide. This movie really made me think about some shit I never thought about before. <laughs> no, I'm it's like that part in uh, Clockwork Orange. Do you think that's what they mean? I think maybe. It's a very British movie. It's, um, it is and, really British. I mean, obviously, if you don't know, the Spice Girls are a British pop group. Mm-hmm. They're uh, very British. In, in hindsight, in retrospect, they're sort of lumped in with like this kind of resurgence of British culture where it was cool to wear the Union Jack and I, I was wondering about that just once because uh, again this movie I you know wasn't super on my radar but when I look back now I think oh 97 oh so the same year as like Austin Powers right mm-hmm. so even just a few big movies this movie made some money and stuff there was like all these popular things with British culture and much like Spice World uh, you know, not to not to make any assumptions, but I laughed at a ton of shit in Austin Powers. I had no idea what it was a reference to or anything, yeah. you, you know, but also just sort of is fun on its own or has that crazy, goofy British energy or whatever. And you can always tell when something like a British comedy that sort of their their sense of humor seeps into everything else. Like even if you watch British wrestlers, British pro wrestlers, <laughs> yeah, you can a... tell because they they do physical comedy bits mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like uh, this the way things are timed and things like that. But it's just, it really seeps in everything. So maybe you you can, you can hear on paper, like, oh, we're going to make a movie about, you know, a girl group, like fucking Cheetah Girls or whatever, uh-huh. even though they're not a real group. Sure. But um, when you also combine that with just like super British director and just about every living actor that was available a crazy a amount of cameos of significant british people some i know some i don't or you know that mm-hmm. kind of like oh there are very important people that have crossed over like elton john and then people they're like oh, i'm told that's a big deal but yeah so yeah so uh, i was directed by bob spears who uh was a big tv guy faulty towers um which is a show john cleese was on mm-hmm. um absolutely fabulous which i've not seen but i know it's a big big cult hit and then uh it also in 1919 19- 97, Bob Spears had directed the That Darn Cat remake with Christina Ricci. Oh, yeah, okay. Have you, have you seen that? Nope, nope, nope. Always was just kind of, again, aware of it. I watched movie about, it. It's, it's just about like a bad cat? Or it's like a, not a bad cat, like a, maybe like a dastardly cat that keeps getting, getting her into <laughs> The dog some... barked when you said dastardly cat. <laughs> We've been sitting here for 20 minutes and the dog just went, like the word dastardly cat. We have the smartest dog in the world. <laughs> But no, something. it doesn't talk or anything, that darn cat? I don't think so. No. I'd be, it'd be called that darn talking cat. Sure. Look who's talking darn cat. Look at that sure. darn talking cat, too. Yeah. Also. <laughs> Sorry. And it was written uh, by Kim Fuller, 
who would later go on to pen From Justin to Kelly. Okay. Do you want to know? Can I tell you something about From Justin to Kelly? Please do. Oh, but first let me mention Yeah, please. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got excited. I got excited. Kim Fuller it was, uh, he is the brother of Simon Fuller, who was the manager of the Spice Girls at the time. Okay. What are the odds so, that then they hired that, of all people, they hired yeah. his brother. But what's, what no, were you going to tell me about From Justin to Kelly? I watched From Justin to Kelly in a movie theater and got paid to do it. You did? Yeah. There's a handful of movies from 2003 that I worked at the movie theater as a projectionist, and so oh, you got to make sure got to watch them on Thursday all. nights, man. We were still building film prints, so it, movies would show up in like six or seven reels, and you'd mm-hmm. spend the day. Some of the projector projectionists splicing not, them together would be spliced them together. I was still kind of I was like newer there, so I was just kind of running the normal thing while the other guys built the movies. But at the end of the night, they all had to be screened, packing order. If there was a handful of movies, the OGs and the managers got to be like, well, I'm going to watch this. I'm going to watch that. Mark, sorry. You're going to watch Dirty Dancing Havana Nights. You're going to watch from Justin to Kelly. But oh, you, you, lucky dog. you just were watching to make sure it wasn't fucked up. Sure. Sometimes you'd watch with a buddy of yours while you're working with even or something like that, too, and kind of have your MST experience, if that was your thing, your mystery science theater vibe. Um, I actually don't think I ever saw that movie. Is it musical? a musical? Dirty Dancing Havana Nights or From Justin to Kelly? From ju- I, either. but um, uh, I mean, Dirty from, Dancing, from no. From Justin to Kelly, yes. So that's... Kelly Clarkson and Justin Giarni, Giarni, the number one and two runner-up from, or like winner and runner-up from first. the very first American Idol. Yeah. They just threw them. I think it's like a Grease ripoff, you oh, know? Mm-hmm. They're from like different groups of friends on spring break. And they sing about what in the fuck. And it's uh, notoriously panned. It was like one of the most panned, money-losing, piece-of-shit movies. I watched a lot of bad movies, and that's one I definitely remember just like, what the fuck? You know, like, I don't know. It was an interesting time to be able to... uh do those once in a while. Um, watch movies, uh, you know, like I said, before they hit the streets. Sure. That was fun. But yeah, anyways, so yeah. that's what we're... Uh, good good, good uh, resume for that writer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dynamite. Um, so besides the Spice Girls, this movie stars Richard E. Grant, Alan Cumming, George Wendt, Mark McKinney, and Roger Moore. A phenomenal cast, dare I say. And as we, we sort of touched on... Uh, Approximately a thousand cameos. A thousand cameos, and also when you read though, like it, it that reads in a way, and it's like you know, so many people in this movie don't do anything with anyone else, or or with the Spice Girls, or with the other people, you know. Uh, so it's fun. It's 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 plenty fun, but it is just like it's all these all these people on islands that we check in on once in a while. Meanwhile, there's the Spice Girls on tour, and this guy's trying to sabotage him, and this guy's writing about him, and this guy's making it. Yeah. Anyways, mm-hmm. um, so. A pretty modest budget, all things considered, mm-hmm. of $25 million, which, uh, fun fact, includes a separate trailer on the set for just their giant shoes. Perfect. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Oh, and giant it, shoes. It made uh, it made a lot of money, like everything else they, they did in that few span of a few years. I figured as much. $100 million, box office. And okay. uh, it didn't do well critically, probably surprised to nobody. 35% yeah. it's sitting at currently on Rotten Tomatoes. Again, you might even guess lower if you guess. I would guess this movie, like sight unseen, I'd be like, I, the Spice Girls movie probably got butchered by critics and made a lot of money. Mm-hmm. That's just like a very safe assumption. So 35. Uh, <laughs> Not terrible. Know, hey, could be worse. And yeah, sorry. Even looking at uh, what we've covered so far. It's not. <laughs> yeah. Not um, and. and Oh, the critic consensus on Rotten Tomatoes reads, Spice World's lack of cohesive plot will likely lose most viewers, but for fans of the t- titular girl group, there's more than enough fun to be had in their wacky, albeit superficial, whirlwind of an adventure. 
That's this is a movie. I don't want to say critic proof, but it's a little bit like just like who is going to read like no review is going to matter more than if you like like the Spice Girls or not Completely. to go see this movie, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, would, I would think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't like the Spice Girls, but this review is very good, or vice versa. It just doesn't really. It just seems like a weird thing to even. Uh, I, I, get, I get that it's their job, but when you spend a lot of energy on your Spice Girls review, it's it just seems like weird. <laughs> I don't know. Well, like your energy could be spent better elsewhere. Yeah. Um, Barnaby Thompson. Hell of a name. Is it produ- It was he uh, produced the movie. And you didn't just make him up. I don't. Think, <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. Okay. No, it was Bob, but I wanted it to sound more British. Yeah. Barnaby. <laughs> Um, he's quoted as saying that they, they expected it to get bad reviews. He said that it would get a panning was one of the few things we knew for certain. A lot of the reviews were actually surprisingly good because I think people had such low expectations. So they fully knew, like, between that quote and also the fact that the tagline was, they don't just sing. Like, they, yeah. it was very, like, you know, tongue-in-cheek, wink-wink kind I, of... The, yeah, I like that about the movie. You know, it, it, there is... Obviously, like the cameos and stuff like that are the sort of jokes that maybe the parents are there for the parents. And then there's a, there was kind of that layer of meta humor that it wasn't the whole thing, the way like that's kind of the whole thing of Josie and the Pussycats or something, you know. But it was in there once in a while, the sort of, if not meta stuff, it's also just like the kind of cheeky British word commentary on their perception. So they're very self-aware. So I think it was to no surprise, like you said, like that they got some bad reviews and maybe didn't get dinged as hard as they thought. And also, it's weird to picture a reality that the Spice Girls movie came out and everyone was like, fan or not, you have to see the Spice Girls movie or something. You know, like it just was never going to be that probably, right? I don't know. Yeah, it's it's hard to picture coming to it if you if you are finding this podcast 40 years from now and mm-hmm. you have no earthly idea what the Spice Girls are. Then yeah, this movie would be n- nonsense. It already sort of is. It's like, pretty it, incoherent it now. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> have a plot. It's kind of all over the place, um, and we'll get into why that is because yeah. there are very you know unsurprising things you learn. Right, like the Spice Girls openly didn't stick to the script. Their disdain for the script. And they were actively rewriting the script based on whatever celebrity had called them to ask, hey, can I please have a cameo? My kid's a big uh, fan. Yeah. It's very British, very loose production. Yeah. I would say are two of its defining maybe things there. And it's it's interesting uh, reading reading about – this movie's been out for 25 years, so there's been all kinds of uh, you know retrospective articles written, like super thorough mm-hmm. ones where they talk to a bunch of people that worked on it. And the consensus is the Spice Girls were super – Nice, also very boisterous and sort of um, like there were a lot. They kind of steamrolled people, but in oh, like yeah. a nice way where they're like bombarding yeah. you with questions like, oh, I love it, your hair. You got a boyfriend? Like, you know, just it, and they're also notoriously grabby, patting <laughs> people on the butt, grabbing people's <laughs> boobs, you know, it's just like being super. They were then, uh, saucy, weren't they? Randy, but, I don't know. <laughs> the consensus is like they are commiserate professionals. Like the That's most fun. professional people. And then, but the fact that all these things can be true is like really interesting. It's really like so much what you just said is so much how they're portrayed in their movie. Yeah. You know, because there's a world where they go cut and everyone it just becomes a huge asshole and is just like retires to their separate trailers and whatever. But it's like, no, you do see them goofing around, grabbing ass. And then when it's time to like do a song, they're like play a song or they sing a song very well. You know, an adorable uh detail that you just reminded me of when you said you <laughs> grabbing <say>, ass <laughs> well yes Sorry. but no uh 
when you say cut, everybody goes to their separate trailers. Yeah. They had five trailers for all five girls, but mm-hmm. then they would all just hang out in one. So ah, they said, like, yeah. we just all want to be together. Yeah. So then they, they returned the other four trailers. That's amazing. Yeah. So they, they saved were... production costs because they like to be around each other so much. It does. You know, it's like plenty of uh, plenty of people that secretly didn't like each other have fooled us into, you know, or like not even fooled us, just had good chemistry in front of the camera. That's not necessarily fooling us, but just like, uh, so it's always possible, but then... It does just kind of click because, look, maybe uh, maybe they didn't all come from acting backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe some of them did, right? I don't know. But um, their chemistry is all very convincing or something. or You know what I mean? Like, So it's just like it's not surprising just to know that they're all homies or at least were. Completely. And, and uh, maybe there was a little bit of a spat in the middle after the band broke up in 98. But uh, yeah. as, as, they, as of uh, right now in 2023, they are all super cool. As far as that initial, nice to see. that initial run, too, they really were just like a – sorry, to, I didn't mean to like – jump and go sideways but you say the breakup in 98 is mm-hmm. like kind of relevant meaning because you said they got this movie out during their peak they rushed out in a year mm-hmm. and then one other year later mm-hmm. r.i.p spice girls yeah well, so november 1st 1996 meeting between their then manager simon fuller simon's screenwriter brother um producer barnaby thompson and barnaby thompson's producing partner whose name escapes me right now doesn't matter but uh so they have that meeting they decide we're gonna do this movie uh, Kim Fuller's going to write it, and then a year later they turn in the movie, and then that's 97. So by November, I presume by no- November 1st, 1998, Simon Fuller fired as their manager, and huh. Jerry, Hall- Jerry Hollowell, Ginger Spice, had, Out. had left. It and was just a, a whirlwind few years, really. That's a crazy thing. So it's, uh, yeah. There's another timeline where, like, the movie falls apart or something, or, 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 or you know, mm-hmm. there's only four Spice Girls by the end of the movie. Yeah, they didn't expect it to do well critically. Um, Which is it smart. was not a surprise to anybody. And again, it's like you can absolutely tell that they are where they're coming from. Which is why it's a little odd that the uh, usually diplomatic Roger Ebert seems particularly enraged. He is on Spice based on Spice World's existence. Yeah, we think he sat in gum or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> you know, fucking gum. And maybe can I um not to jump ahead and we'll cover, but you you showed me some stuff and we'll talk about it maybe about how the girls went to the Cannes Film Festival. Mm-hmm. Did this movie show at the Cannes Film Festival? It did not. Okay, I was going because maybe if he's like at the Cannes Film Festival watching it, not that it even would justify being this have. rude, but it was just like just trying to think about why would he come at it this hard is like the best I could have done. Is that it's this prestigious thing and 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 he's watching him fart on Elvis Costello or whatever, and he's just like, <laughs> all right, not, not my favorite thing, but not even that's not even what happened. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 uh. I pull a few excerpts from Roger Ebert's Half Star review. Half Star. Half Star. Um, It opens with this line. The Spice Girls are easier to tell apart than the Mutant Ninja Turtles, but that is a small consolation. What can you say about five women whose principal distinguishing characteristic is that they have different names? That's so different. That's so, it's so much, they're so much different than the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> funny when you said the spice girls i almost said that was the ninja turtles for me as far as just like i was like six in 1989 or 1990 or whatever mm-hmm. when it was like going like the cartoon the movie going hard so that was the thing for me where it was just like oh i just got swept up in that the way you probably did with the spice girls you know where you were just like the thing so it's funny that roger ebert would see them too but also uh the ninja turtles aside from uh separate attitudes are just a headband away and a weapon a defining weapon the spice girls have head to toe different things going on completely different and then he goes on to say, 
they're so detached they can't even successfully lip sync their own songs. And I think they can. They are. They can, right? They're clearly singing. At one point, they're like kind of working on a song in the movie. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, so you'll be there mm-hmm, for, mm-hmm. for the initiated. Uh, <laughs> I just I don't know how you can watch that movie and come away with that. It's like he had his mind made up, or maybe he had written this already. Yeah, it might be <laughs> if, even to have a commentary on them in general. He saw him on the Today Show and wasn't impressed or something. Yeah, um, and he. He says, during a rehearsal scene, their director tells them, with such truth that we may be hearing a secret message from the screenwriter, that was absolutely perfect without actually being any good. Um, and then he points out that Spice World is obviously intended as a ripoff of A Hard Day's Night. Some might say homage. Yeah, Ebert goes for ripoff. It's, and it, it, it's a, it's a, Yeah, it just it all depends. Whatever you're trying to say is what arrow you pull out of your quiver there, right? Absolutely. Like, I don't like this. It's a ripoff. Whoosh! <laughs> That was a bow and arrow. It might have sounded like a whip. Also, the joke's on you, Raj. There was no screenwriter. Or there was, but they, they did their own thing. Or, you know, like, they sure did. Just just careful with your projections. Don't be like, you know what happened here, don't you? The screenwriter snuck in some low-key criticism of the Spice Girls. Like, actually, the, the Spice Girls fucking walked all over the script and said their own thing, it sounds like. so. Mm-hmm. And to the delight of everybody around them. like By all accounts, uh, uh, the five principal cast members being pop stars that don't stick to the script and l- they learn their lines in the makeup trailer that morning mm-hmm. like it might sound stressful and really unenjoyable but it really seems like everybody had a lot of fun making yeah. the movie yeah which i think just speaks to them being super nice and even though they're at that point especially like huge stars mm-hmm. people are asking to be on in the movie just because their kids are huge fans yeah yeah but right. so i i i, I really don't I was very surprised by Roger Ebert's review of all this. I have a modified theory. What's that? They didn't show the film at Cannes, but the Spice Girls were at Cannes. Roger Ebert was at Cannes. Oh. Did they grope him? It's Roger, Roger Ebert. Oh, come here, you both. They were all just pinching at him, and he's like, no. And then he saw their movie a month later on a Wednesday. Like, oh, they're like that with everybody. <laughs> His heart's broken. Maybe he didn't get the cameo. He saw it. Well, apparently, Victoria Beckham, Posh Spice, started dating David Beckham uh, right around this time. Oh, this go, they go back that far? I didn't yeah. realize that. Yeah. They started... Uh, Good for them. There was a new relationship. Are they still together? Mm-hmm. All right. Cheers. Congratulations, guys, if you're listening. <laughs> I, I assume. I assume they're listening. One. I mean, if you think about our podcast and the fact that we're not talking about one, any two people, we can play the numbers with two people that might be listening, I bet one of them are. It's good odds. <laughs> Doubles our odds. Oh my gosh, I forgot about this line in uh, Roger Ebert's mm-hmm. review. Um, the huge difference, of course, is that the Beatles were talented, while, let's face it, the Spice Girls could be duplicated by any five women under the age of 30 standing in line at Dunkin' Donuts. That's insane. He's going to a really nice Dunkin'. <laughs> I. If they all click Spice Girls? If they all could pass for Spice Girls... It's like, I'm not even going to, like, the, it's, I feel bad. Like, I don't want to do this. I want to point out, this is like a really shitty thing to do. I'm not going to make the joke, but I'm going to point out the joke I'm not going to make. But it's just like, <laughs> everyone's always made fun of Roger Ebert for being fat. And he's like, bro, I could go to Dunkin' Donuts and meet a better woman. And he's like, dude, why don't you just shut up about donuts? Who are you? What are you doing? You know, like, say anything else right now. It's just not a good burn. It's mean and I don't like it, but it's also just like. Why are you Ineffect- inviting it's, this? It's ineffective or something. I'm just like, you know, I'm out buying donuts. I see prettier women. <laughs> You're just like, no, I don't want to make a fat joke. But like, come on. 
you're being rude and you're talking about donuts. I fuck it. It's it's just you gotta pick one. <laughs> be rude or talk about donuts. You know that meme with the kid? He's like, like he wants to say oh, something and the, he's about to burst the, the other vein. vein. That's yeah. It's just like I don't don't make me this guy. I want to. Oh, I don't. This isn't me. Jesus, like it's it's absurd. He just rambles on about how much he hates <laughs> Oh, there he's like donuts. Scrolling <laughs> no. down and then it's just donuts after Sprinkles, this. glaze. <laughs> no. He says, the Beatles film. Why aren't the girls at Dunkin' Donuts nicer to me? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the Beatles film played off the personalities of the Beatles. The Spice Girls have no personalities. Their bodies are carriers for inane chatter. <laughs> oh my god, he's getting weird. He's getting real weird. <laughs> There's a little inane chatterbots steering around there, steering their bodies around. This is crazy. The, the Beatles film had such great music that every song in it is beloved all over the world. The Spice Girls music is so bad that even Spice World avoids using any more of it than absolutely necessary. So I'd have to do the math on this. That's a but crazy I would. It's got to be somewhere in the realm of. Once every 45 seconds, you are hearing a different Spice Girls song. <laughs> a lot of songs. It's mostly like, it. Uh, it's like a unconventional movie or music video. Yeah. Advertising their new album. Yeah. Essentially. And I haven't seen Hard Day's Night in a long time. I'm vaguely familiar with it. I can remember some of the parts pretty well, some not so much, but I'm fairly certain it's loosely the same structure, meaning... Skitty skit skit, chatty wat bot, well in the phone booth, oh what are we all doing in this phone booth, get out of here, whatever. Yeah. And then, yeah, then they play a song, it's just like, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's, it's like it's, set piece song, set piece song. It's a wild projection, especially too, again, like I didn't like the music, especially at the time, probably, I'm sure Roger didn't seem to, but like, oh, he's number one hits, that's just like, you know, you don't have to like it, but it's tough to argue that they're not, I get it, hey, it ain't the Beatles, just, but that's just like a, a, a tough thing to compare anything to, right? Just because you don't like something doesn't mean that it's bad doesn't mean they can be easily replaced by dunkin donuts customers that's crazy the closing paragraph is him conducting the dunkin donuts experiment <laughs> um the donut girls uh put out two songs and they asked him to leave <laughs> they asked him to leave the band and then sprinkle spice quit the band was never the same after that <laughs> pumpkin spice <laughs> i'm sure that joke's never been made well the timing of the two were as such that it wasn't that much. Oh, you know. oh, sorry. I, I was scanning for. I knew there was another like particularly heinous thing that he said in here. Yeah. And yeah, I <laughs> let's found, go. With. Uh, so lacking in human characteristics are the girls that when the screenplay falls back on the last resort of the bankrupt filmmaking imagination, a live childbirth scene, they have to import one of their friends to have the baby. She at least had the wit to get pregnant. Something beyond <gasps> the girls, since it would involve a relationship and thus Whoa. an attention span. Bro. She had the wit to get pregnant? What's his fucking problem? That's, is he okay? Wow, man. You know, they say brevity is the sole wit. I think he thinks it's, uh, you know, getting getting laid. This <laughs> is is where wit is, is going to take you. I'm... Not to say that it won't, but he, he seems to make a very cold equation of... Even saying something beyond the girls since it would involve a relationship. Roger, I got news about the sperm and the egg, pal. They don't care who's holding hands outside there. You know what I mean? Doesn't take much attention either, I don't think. No. But, uh... Yeah, an attention span? Are you kidding me? We're talking about... We're not talking about raising a kid to to the age of 18. We're talking about getting pregnant. If you were to take everything that I read from this and, like, Photoshop it, you know when you see, like, a long 4chan thing, like, Mm -hmm. green text with, like, 
the creepy little frog yeah. avatar. It's like that could easily be right. This is this is uh, this is a little unhinged. It's 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 like a door that is just barely hanging on. There's like one screw of one hinge, maybe maybe. And when Spice World was released in the United States, it at the time at least broke um, broke records for like the biggest box office weekend that was concurrent with the Super Bowl. Oh, that's good counter programming. Yeah, something for the, the 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 girls and the kids, whatever that might not give a shit or something. And or, I'm not not yeah. saying like I'm not necessarily saying that like monetary success equates talent or you know. No, nor does good. critical evaluation mean something's good or bad. But as we, like, yeah. it, I just don't understand why he's so vitriolic about. Yeah. All of this because it really like, and then you watch the movie and it's just very silly, right? And exactly. Very like right. it's not mean at all. There yeah. aren't any jokes that uh, don't didn't age well. It's it's like not in a mean way, but just like it's harmless. Harmless, like, it's, completely it's pretty harmless. harmless. And it's not even, you know, I guess it's certainly critics like Roger Ebert, like they 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 got they, they like sold whole books about like here's my really witty mean review of a Rob Schneider movie or a Pauly Shore movie, and it's like. Oh my God! You have to read his review of the hot chick. He really tore it in shreds. And it's just, yeah, valiant <laughs> works, sir. Uh, <laughs> but um, doing the hard, the hard writing. Yeah. So with that, it's like uh, a few things. I think critics just find like the the bad offensively bad. It's like an affront to their whole like cultural fucking contribution to the world. Where we're, we're supposed to, we're here to appreciate cinema. And here's Pauly Shore. I keep going to this, but farting on the jury, the rest of the jury, or whatever. You know, I just am all fart references. Tia Carrera's in that one, right? I think so. I think Tia Carrera is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now forever, uh, there's that on that new really funny show called Jury Duty. And now you'll always think there'll, there'll, there'll be some wire crossing or something when you're trying to IMDb it or sure. or whatever else. But yeah, so like, um, is it that is it a combination of just like they do personally feel that real? Just like this is such a fuck you to cinema. Look at look at uh, Polly Shore, or the Spice Girls, or whatever. But then also like, they weren't calling it viral back then. But like, were you trying to like have this like? Oh, oh. scathing review. Roger Ebert tears to pieces. They'll be talking about this one. For, you know, well, I don't know. Maybe that was the game you played as a newspaper man. I don't know. If that is the intention that uh, it worked because I became aware of Roger Ebert's super negative review because all of the uh, retrospective articles they mentioned. Yeah, we're like. He's been out for so long. Like, they mentioned like, yeah, Roger Ebert's usually pretty measured, but uh, for some reason he just like. Right. Was really fucking pissed off about right, this movie right he was called so that's his legacy now <laughs> yeah uh, as far as this goes right exactly yeah i mean he's he's clearly he's written a ton of reviews i liked and that's maybe that's part of why we're we're a bit upset about this because i like roger ebert a lot he generally i was saying before the show if i look on a metacritic thing of a movie or something that i like and didn't get good reviews so 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 often roger ebert has one of the prominent if not lone like positive takes on it or something so mm-hmm. you know hey uh, but then you read this. His White Hot American Summer review was atrocious. You know, oh, what do you really do? What do you do? You make a fucking life out of reviewing hundreds and thousands of movies. I get it. I'm not going to lose any sleep over it, but it's just pretty fucked up. <laughs> Some of those lines are like crazy. That Dunkin' Donuts thing. And again, like, <laughs> you just, you keep reading about how nice they are and how professional and they sing about friendship and mm-hmm. <laughs> like the right. betterment of society. Yeah. Through equality, right. just like ah, oh, fuck these women. Right, right, right. 
Your music's terrible. We've talked about it before, and it's maybe just baked into the idea of our show here a little bit, but it's just like, you know, the beauty of, of one of the, the cool things about movies or, you know, be it video games or TV or something is there's 500 video games and there's 500 t- cable stations and there's 100 movies. There's something for everybody. And maybe it's not the best thing to be like, hey, one guy, you want to watch them all and tell us what you think? Mm-hmm. It just seems in hindsight, like not, not like set up to give everything a fair shake. Yeah. Whereas, you know, if you go, hey, Spice Girls fan, you want to write this for the fucking Spice Girls fan? Or just whatever. I don't know. Yeah. That might be a more effective way to go about it. They should rethink and- everything because of what I said. I'll tell somebody. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and what's what's so interesting about reviews like this is that the, usually there is stuff you can criticize. Sure. You know, stuff worthy of critique. The movie's a mess. I don't know what happens in it. It's like, why didn't you just focus on that instead of, like, being blinded by your rage? Right. Clearly, some other shit's bothering you right now. Right. Like, I pulled this thing from uh, the Independent. They call it a largely plot-free hodgepodge of celebrity cameos, surrealist dream sequences, TARDIS tour buses, movie pastiches, girl power wisecracking, and close encounters with horny aliens. Yeah, that's it's what like, happens. Yeah, that's exactly. At least they're talking a, about what happens. That is completely accurate. <laughs> so the horny aliens did nothing for Roger Ebert. Could you tell me that, please, and not tell me that five objectively different looking women you've compared to the ninja? You, you said that I don't mean to get stuck on the Ninja Turtles, but <laughs> it's just it's just mind boggling. The Dunkin' Donuts thing too. It was what was he? He was all hopped up on sugar that day. I think he uh, he even mentions the scene that leads up. To the aliens, but he doesn't mention the aliens. Can we talk about that? Because, like, if you're listening to this and you don't know the movie, you're going, I'm sorry, aliens? What? I'm sorry? So, it doesn't make any more sense in context with us speaking about it as it does in context with the The way we're going to stop right now and just talk about aliens? Picture a movie doing that. So, please keep in mind that what we are saying is actually how the movie is. So, their bus driver... (laughs) Their bus driver is played by Meatloaf. 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 Um, He... They ask him to pull over because they have this giant tour bus, the a double big... double decker tour bus with a big Union Jack on it. Um, and then, so you see the inside, and it's like impossibly big. Yeah. Like uh, it would never be able to be. It's like Mary Poppins' purse. It's like a hanger. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and each, and so it's all divided. Like each Spice Girl has their area that's themed after them. Like Baby Spices has a little swing and a bunch of stuffed animals. Yep. Posh has her own runway. Sporty's got exercise bullshit. Let's do them all. Scary has a uh, leopard stuff, and I don't know who else is left. Ginger. Ginger's got like 1960s stuff is good that, is yeah everybody? you got everybody all right so anyway um they they have this very fancy bus yet the toilets just won't stay unclogged the, so they have to pull over and no matter the, the size of the bus the to- it's not it's going to be an iffy toilet situation i suppose that's just how it goes man doesn't matter how state-of-the-art you have it yeah doesn't matter which rock star is your bus driver he doesn't play uh he plays like some guy he's not it's not right he plays a bus driver as opposed to like the some of the yeah 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 that's that's a good good point he's in it more he's got a part more so it's like a glorified thing yeah and out of nowhere um they go into the woods together it's nighttime um and they just happen to run into go ahead i just was thinking in in lieu of a loo they go oh boy (laughs) okay great work (laughs) worth Um, interrupting no, but uh, so they they are trying to use the bathroom, and then aliens just show up, like a huge UFO 
descends and a bunch of very creepy looking aliens come out and they have they like, have some weird made up language but for some reason the girls understand it like the, we get subtitles yeah. we get subtitles but they understand it yep and she uh, almost said it's a chewbacca han solo thing but we don't get subtitles for chewbacca so it's like a han solo greedo type situation mm-hmm. where they can speak it but they give us the subtitles mm-hmm and they are just speaking English back to, or, you know, yeah, they're, yeah. they're British dialect. Yes, exactly. That I cannot always understand. standard sci-fi movie logic, though, where... Yeah. And they're at, they're at, they came to ask for tickets to their show at the Royal Albert They're Hall. fans. It's not, take us to your leader, or, like, you're the first humans we encountered. It's like, oh, you were, like... We're having trouble getting tickets to your show. So the implication, if you back up a little bit, is that they're following their bus, <laughs> waiting for the time to strike. And it's like, hey, five girls alone in the woods, let's go. And they do almost immediately stab at scary spice's breast and they're also just very terrifying looking they're very like did that can i ask you do you remember as a kid did that like spook you out like the ufo alone it's like a smoky light like that could be a spooky thing and then they come out and it's like kind of like they're little they have kind of humanoid bodies but the the craziest thing is that they have these little shrunken faces in the middle of their head like little shrunken like disproportionate their faces are so small for their bodies that it's very unsettling very creepy they spooked me out but i kind of just deferred to them you know, right, oh, look at you. Okay. Oh, yeah. aren't you cute? Yeah. Do yeah. you want to kiss one of us? I don't know what they said, but yeah. And then, uh, do they get the tickets? Um, they say it's sold out and they <laughs> apologize, but then they, uh, they hang out, they take a picture, they sign some autographs and, yeah. and later on, uh, when they are finally performing at the big show, big finale, we, we like, we see kind of a bunch of characters that we've come to come to know throughout the movie mm-hmm. enjoying enjoying the this show. crazy adventure has coming to a close yeah so we see the aliens dancing around on their ship so they got in oh, no. the, oh the ship you're right they're yeah, just yeah that's right because that's right. it's also live broadcast they're able to that's right they catch the signals up in space what do you want with us I'm really sorry, but they're all sold out. Roger Moore, who plays uh, like the music label executive a guy, former James Bond, Roger Moore, who's in he's he's isolated. He's in like a Bond villain esque lair. He's only communicating to the group's manager by phone. And each time we see him, he's got, like, a different tiny animal. It's kind of one of the better bits of the movie. That's one thing I want to say is that there are some funny bits in the movie, but some of the funny bits almost come at the expense of the tone of what else is going on or something, where it's, like, once in a while there's some gag that's straight out of Airplane or something, mm-hmm. and it's, like, inspired. Like, you are saying, this is British goofy shit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, that's really funny. And Roger Moore's entire thing is he gets on the phone and tells Spice Girls, his manager, go sabotage him this way or that. And every time he's got a little kitten, the next time he's got a little piggy. It's like a solid, weird bit. It's really funny. And then... Oh, uh, just the little piglet, by the way. Fun mm. fact. Pissed all over Roger Moore's oh jacket. Oh, God. That's so funny. <laughs> what, a, what, a, what a pro. What a, what, a, what a industry we get ourselves into. Or one day you're playing James Bond. The next day you've got pigs pissing on you because you're making the Spice Girls movie. And uh, so that's that's a weird... That's why I brought it up, by the way. Is like yeah, you see him also, you know, dancing... In the big cavernous white room, even he's in he by is himself. now like once he's yeah, it's 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 maybe maybe it's just like whatever you show all the characters you have Roger Moore, but it's also like look man, even even the biggest ball breaker of the movie is now vibing to the new songs because if you just gotta spice up your life. Every boy, every girl, uh, people of the world, we're beyond that anymore. Aliens that we just met, spice up your life. Please stop grabbing me. <laughs> 
And even even uh, grumpy grumpy Roger Ebert noted the the hard days night connection. Sure, sure. But um, is actually described as a catch all homage to all of the Beatles films, which was a little lost on me because I don't I don't know I don't know those ones so so well. I've seen Hard Days Night, mm-hmm. but it was forever ago, mm-hmm. and I've never seen any of the other ones. But um, specifically. So Spice Mania, like the whole, at one point they're they're leaving out the back to avoid any fans, yeah. but of course they uh, oh, open the door. I mean, and it's telegraphed just, a mile away. Yeah. The guy's like, don't worry, when we open this door, there's not going to be anybody there and we'll walk right to the car and they open the door. It's, you know, every screaming little and scary Spice, like, oh, fuck me. <laughs> it's like, whoa, <laughs> like, oh, they get one in the movie. We let them have it. <laughs> That's not true. That's not true. Um, and the huge, the huge tour bus that we talked about with um, each uh, individual quarters like for each little, Spice Girl. Yeah. That's a nod to help. Um, oh, cool! Each each beetle has a, they they share a communal house that has four front doors. Cool. So that's that's really fun. Um, the comic bookishness in general uh, of Richard E. Grant's character. He plays the girl's manager, Clifford, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got like really monochromatic suits, like. Uh, Emerald green, but every part of it is the same color. Just like super elaborate. He looks mm. like a Batman villain. Um, there's this this creepy paparazzo that's sort of following them around, oh. trying to take them down. It's like he's J. Joe and Jonah Jameson trying to catch Spider-Man doing something bad. Right. Played- well, he's Yeah, he's like the photog that's just like... <laughs> yeah, just kind of like laying in the wait. It's one of the best bits of the movie because I, I maybe there's an escalating sort of silliness of just like there's a whole conversation then the camera pans and it's like, oh, he comes out of something silly or like... He's, a, a literal toilet. Like his head's coming out of the toilet or something. Yeah, that's, that's, that's funny stuff. But I like that. Uh, played by Richard yeah. O'Brien from Rocky Horror Picture Show, among other things. Mm-hmm. Um, as creepy... As creepy as ever, perfect as the... Um, the paparazzo when when he's hired there's like a tabloid magazine that's sort of just i guess the guy's upset by the spice girls popularity not unlike roger ebert yeah um and he and he is talking to an underling and says we need to get we need to take these girls down i'm sick of hearing about them so they decide to hire creepy paparazzo yeah and um he just sort of appears i think and has pictures like here's you in the elevator Picking your nose. Yeah, he's showing the editor, like, I'm, I am already have dirt on you. I'm like, I'm the guy. Yeah. I'm the guy for the job. And maybe we could insert a clip here of the guy, of when he says. Yeah. 8.55, you in the lift, picking your nose, another bogey breakfast. He's good. You again, behind the bike sheds with Eileen Winters when you were 12. He's very good. And that's a good bit too. And I, I, you know, when I was watching, I thought this doesn't make sense. And then I quickly thought, no, actually, you know, it's actually pretty, pretty, pretty funny where here's these guys at, I forget, was it newspaper or magazine or what? what's their deal? Tabloid magazine. Tabloid something. Yeah. And he's like, they're running all this stuff on the Spice Girls. And then he's like, you know what? I'm sick of hearing all the Spice Girls. Let's take them down. And in my head, I'm like, well, this doesn't make sense because they're writing stuff about the Spice Girls all the time. But then I thought, but no, isn't that what it was like though? Isn't yeah. that actually pretty cutting satire? Even if it's not com- particularly complex, it's just like yeah like well fucking stop writing about them get them out of your head all the time Mm -hmm. and like there's always going to be pop stars and pop music and we talk about that people get so crazy mad about it and some of it is because this cycle of i'm sick of hearing about i'm sick of hearing about them all the fucking time and so it is just like when then the the media that put them out all the time also then joins in on the backlash and is like aren't these girls the fucking worst it's like well yeah but like you shoved them down my throat for a while and whatever so yeah i thought that was pretty actually pretty clever totally um and 
There's also references to uh, the Beatles' Magical Mystery Tour in um, this this one particularly out there kind of I'm not sure where that came from or why this is included in the movie, but they see like a drill sergeant, but he's a drill sergeant for dancing, choreographed dancing. Mm-hmm. He'll help you dance for the war. And I always knew like this must be a cameo because it just yeah. it felt like it. Yeah. Um, and it is. It's Michael Barrymore, um, kind of an un- unintelligible drill sergeant guy named Mr. Step. Uh, and then we also see dream sequences kind of flash forwards to the Spice Girls as older ladies that, yeah, yeah with right, kids right right, and, right um and then the alien thing is also more in the vein of magical mystery tour you know i've never seen that one i just don't have the reputation for being like we all there. agree that the beatles were like the great rock band we also agree like they did a few too many drugs for a year or two and you know what <laughs> they came out all right so we just that's fine you know like that happened. There it is if you want it. We're yeah. just not going to talk too much about it, I think, is, is where we're at with that, right? Mm-hmm. We talked a lot about Hard Day's Night. We all love the White Album. There, there's some years. And then, you know, we tolerate the uh, Robbie Shankar stuff. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, yeah, There's some things you're going to have to endure if you go through the whole discography and they involve sitars and way Sit- too much acid. Yeah. Uh, and some people, maybe that's your, maybe that's your favorite chip. Maybe that's Cheers. your jam. Cheers. Yeah. Cool. Nice. It, it takes all kinds. It does. Um, so the Spice Girls had been a unit for a few years by the time production started on mm, all this. Mm. But making a movie was always part of the plan. Mm. Um, just like part of the grand plan. Like, oh, we'll put out an album and we'll do we'll do this. We'll do that. We'll make a movie. Um, so at first, uh, Disney had optioned the Spice Girls movie. But when the Spice, the Spice Girls got got their hand on the Disney script. They didn't like it. It was described as conventional Disney fodder. Mm. So they sort of waited for their Disney's option to run out. And then there was that, that fateful November 1st meeting. Ah, yes. Um, so they, if you're curious, I, I do have a little bit of in, info on what the Disney script was like. They were the one deemed not up to the Spice Girls standards. Correct. Uh, below Spice Par. <laughs> the girls were fictionalized to a certain extent. This is Kim Fuller talking, the, uh, the screenwriter. Of, um, of Spice World. The girls were fictionalized to a certain extent. There was a single mother. One of the girls was supporting an ill relative and they ended up being globally famous. Uh, which... Don't most of the, those things happen in the movie? Well, the... In the finished movie? Supporting an ill relative? That's the one thing, yeah. But you but, got a pregnant friend in there and global fame, right? Yeah, but... Uh, Mark McKinney plays... So there's this also like kind of meta over thing happening... During the movie, where Mark McKinney and George Went from Cheers are playing like a Hollywood executive and a screenwriter that mm-hmm. are trying to get a movie made about the Spice Girls. Mm-hmm. So they're meeting at certain points, they're meeting with Clifford, the, the Spice Girls manager, kind of pitching him different ideas. Like the movie could be this, the movie could be that. Mm-hmm. And um, by the end, I'm not sure if we're, if we're meant to have been watching the Spice Girls yeah. movie. It's a not it, all the way fleshed it's out. It's like a, an unclear, twisty meta thing. It's like, it's funny. I didn't think, if, if before, I didn't think I'd ever watch Spice World. I certainly didn't think I'd compare it to Charlie Kaufman's movie adaptation. <laughs> but it's like pseudo that where the thing in the movie adaptation is, uh, by the end, it's like a, a different character has taken over the screenwriting of the movie you're watching, essentially, might be a way to describe it. 
And it feels like, is that what happened here? By the end, you realize you were just in the thing that had been kind of talked about, for example, this pitch of theirs. But then it doesn't all the way add up. It doesn't It doesn't make you go, oh, ah, aha, that's the thing of the whole movie. You just go, wait. So at some point, it stopped, It started being like extra bullshit because it's just Mark McKinney from Kids in the Hall. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah, so is I, the Mark I lost stuff it. part of the movie too? I'm so confused. Yeah, if, if we're in his pitch, he's pitching. Also, I'll be sitting here telling you about this after the boat chase. Um, oh, so let me just finish that thought real quick to put a button on it. I'm pretty sure that the sick relative and then they become global superstars as a, as means to support their sick relative. Yeah. That's something that Mark McKinney pitches in the movie. Oh, that's I mean, fine. And then it's like, ah, you know. So they snuck like in that. a dig at the first draft. Guess, yeah. Um, clever, so clever. Sort of the climax of the movie, since the whole thing is about them preparing for the show at the Royal Albert Hall, the one that the aliens wanted tickets to. Yeah. It's big dis- show. It's described as their first live show, and I'm not sure how that is possible. That's like a thing that they say it at one point. Like, during the movie, I said to Taylor, did they mention is this show? Is they, did they say this is going to be their first concert ever? And you were like, I think I think they might have. And then later they say it some more. So we were a little bit like, huh? And then they say it again a few times. And we're like, yeah, they, they, they definitely keep saying, oh, the first ever concert. Not at the hall. Not in London. Not. Huh. First concert. First like, concert. Okay, okay. First concert. We see them practicing all the time, presumably for this one concert they're going to have. Performing in front of crowds, but... They're not. They're not concerts. concerts. It's like sparring. Reason. That's not boxing. You're just getting ready for the real one. I don't know. I don't know. It's only. It's only a concert if it's performed in France. That's right. That's right. Otherwise, it's just a sparkling show. <laughs> uh, oh, so then the climax of the movie is, of course, is the show going to happen? And there's lots of different obstacles that come up that threaten that, including a pregnancy, including a pregnancy, a pregnant friend. Pregnant friend, uh, the 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 aforementioned panned by Roger Ebert um, live childbirth scene that he described as the last resort of the bankrupt filmmaking imagination. News to me, but all right. Yeah, uh, I don't know. So their manager is super nervous that they're not going to make it in time for the gig, and meanwhile he's sitting through a he's still sitting through a pitch meeting and i'm unclear is this the same pitch meeting do they keep flying in from the states yeah. to have different pitch meetings yeah uh but so mark mckinney's kind of describing like the the climax of the movie as as we see what he's describing and then he throws to like oh and then they walk through the door at the last possible minute right there and then they don't walk through yeah and then the manager gets really pissed off <laughs> so, is is there like uh, does Mark McKinney have powers? Right? Is he? Yeah. Right. So, is it maybe we're watching his movie, the finished product, and it's like a crisscross cutting thing, mm-hmm. or he's conjuring realities into existence, but he only has so much power and he cannot control the humans, but he can conjure some of the circumstances. Sure. Again, just maybe, maybe. There's a lot going on. They haven't given us the info to discern it fully. Mm-hmm. The evil reporter has been unmasked. And in that moment, Damien's whole worthless life flashes before his eyes because the girls have made him realize that he's been living a meaningless life. Oh, do you know what, girls? You've made me realize I've been living a meaningless lie. It's his character's one defining moment. There isn't a dry seat in the house. I'm wet already. So, as we kind of touched on, I think the reason why it feels like um, a lot of a hodgepodge 
ideas and, and plots and all that. Because mm-hmm. the script was kind of written on the fly. I drew on the fly. They had a script. They started with the script. Um, and interestingly, <laughs> Ginger Spice had a big hand in the script. At, least, at least according to Ginger Spice. Uh, who said she worked very closely with Kim Fuller on the script for about two months before they started shooting. Jeez. Um, and producer Barnaby Thompson says that there was no rehearsal. No rehearsal. They literally showed up on the first day, and we had no idea if they were going to pull it off. But you know what? A lot of the movie, not not, not most of it, but a good chunk of it is them rehearsing. Interesting. So maybe the rawness of a real rehearsal was captured by the lack of rehearsal for the rehearsal. Oh, what professionals, those Spice Girls. Super meta. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I... So yeah, they they didn't know their they didn't know their lines because it sounds like they were being rewritten constantly. Um, Kim Fuller, a, one of the screenwriters, says uh, that he would go into like their hairdressing trailer where as they were getting their hair and makeup done, and he'd hand them all their pages, and then they'd rehearse and uh, run through it, and then Bob, the director, would get there, and then they'd shoot it, and mm-hmm. that was kind of it. There you go. And uh, they, the Spice Girls said that they never stuck to the script. Um, they all contributed their own little sparkle mm-hmm. on top of it. Mm-hmm. That's the word uh, Mel B used. Um, and I I didn't find any more info about this thing in particular. But uh, screenwriter Kim Fuller says, The script lady went berserk and nearly resigned because we kept changing everything. There were a lot of flowers, and we consoled her for a while, and everything was fine after that. They brought her flowers. Sorry, we keep changing the lines. Changing everything. Please come back to work. Yeah. We need you. And, uh... We'll also stop groping you. <laughs> back, back to, uh... The producer, um, Thompson, says... They were writing the script while they were shooting it. The Spice Girls were recording songs while they were shooting. The big song, Spice Up Your Life, was written during production mm-hmm. um and that's because they had a mobile studio on the set that was basically just a winnebago with recording studio in it mm. so they would shoot all day and then at night they would rec- write and record all this music just, not bad just, just sounds crazy busy yeah um and just probably took crazy work ethic um I got the producer saying, we could have got very uptight about the fact that we've got 5,000 people in the Albert Hall and we don't have a song yet, <laughs> but there was a level of trust that they would deliver. And they did. So all's well, it ends well. Yeah. Um, Jamie Curtis, the other screenwriter, <laughs> this, this quote made me a little sad, says, they were the girls were doing the film during the day and they were recording an album during the evening and it was pretty tough on them, but they were always chirpy unless they were crying. There you go. Uh, other than the times they were crying, because that's you can't help but think like they sound busy as hell, and it sounds cool that like everyone said, "Oh yeah, they were still like sports and super nice and fun and everything." And then just to hear someone be like, "Yeah, you know," and just like once in a while they would kind of break down and cry. Other than that, though, this is pretty good. Yeah, jeez, <laughs> okay, I guess that's the that's show business, isn't it? I hope, I hope they weren't crying a lot. You know. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Probably not. Probably fine. Yeah. So, uh, and as, as we sort of discussed, like, the, the Spice Mania scenes where big crowds were freaking out and stuff, mm-hmm. uh, not unlike not unlike Basic Instinct, the production of that, there were crowds 
uh, kind of disrupting production, but for different reasons. Oh, oh, sure, yeah. Uh, they were not. They weren't protesting what Spice not, World was doing to women. No, in, there, at large. Okay, there were no protests on the set of Spice World, but there were just like fans and. Uh, Kim Fuller, the screenwriter, says it was a bit daft. Instead of using extras, we could have just filmed the real crowd half the time. Right. It's like like there's some line on one side is the crowd, the movie extras pretending to be a crowd. And then on the other line is like a somehow even more fervent, like, ah, we really do love the Spice Girls. That would probably help your acting. Like, look, hey, can you be like them over there? Uh, they, like they, they had a big problem because they're huge stars. So like they're, they're, they're trying to block views with like barricades and curtains because um, people keep trying to breach the set. And it says, during a location shoot at a stately home near a farm, paparazzi disguised themselves as a pantomime cow trying to get shots of the girls They on did the, the two-man cow suit? <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Crazy. Oh, my God. Crazy. And multiple people... Uh, this I, is what, like, famous people... Do. Like, and then that's going to go in some article about, like, how insufferable and annoying the Spice Girls are. And meanwhile, someone dressed up like a fucking cow to, to get the get pictures. pictures. Of them working. To get a picture. We all know what they look like. And they're shooting a fucking behind-the-scenes thing. Can you just wait? You'll see everything. <laughs> it's important to get... You know, but these cow shots, though, with a you know, shot from the field are really something else. Multiple people that worked on the film described... One thing that happened as a mini riot. Ooh. Mini riot. Aw, that sounds kind of cute. <laughs> it was really small. It was like, it, all the fans oh. are little kids. So yeah, little riot. kids. The last 40 seconds. Mini riots. Little, mini riot. Mini cops. You know. <laughs> this, yeah, the smallest ambulances you've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, during filming, when they had all these huge crowds, the Spice Girls would like go try to appease the crowds. They had people sure. sign the shit, take yeah. the pictures, do yeah. all the thing. But it, it seemed like that... In rate, that all it did was like make them more fervent. Yeah. So it kind of just like escalated. <laughs> um, Richard E. Curtis <laughs> described it as a, a mini riot, and then Ginger Spice described it as a as a mini riot. Police mm. were called. I don't have any details. Right? Did they kick the shit out of each other, or did they loot or anything? We don't know. I think it was probably like they. It sounds like they were just they got a little overzealous and tried to maybe a barricade breach. got breached or something. Yeah. Maybe a security guard got his clothes scuffled or something. <laughs> So as as we mentioned, mm-hmm. they turned the movie in within one year, one year from the meeting of where they came up with the concept. It was like a bet they had or something. And we we talked about this when we watched the movie, but when you watch the credits, you'll notice that it says based on an idea by. <laughs> right. It was pretty loose. You see story by. Yeah. Ideas. Listen, I, I'm the idea man. Based on yeah. mutterings by. <laughs> <laughs> based on the a dream somebody had once. Yeah. Um. But when they when they turned in the movie, they got notes back from Sony studio executives. Seven pages of notes. Um, one note in particular. They asked for subtitles for Sporty Spice because nobody could understand what she was mm, saying. That would be uh, that's wild if they because they all have accents. So if you singled out one, that would be really like that would probably at the very least. I'm worried about what that would do to Sporty Spice. If you, need, be, if you need them for Sporty Spice, you probably need them for everybody. It's a thin line. That is pretty. That is pretty bizarre to think about. Like one character having. I would. I, that would really. I would. That would make me think it was some weird British bit I didn't understand <laughs> or something. You know. Yeah. Like oh, she must be from a part of the country where they they're it's like their equivalent of the Deep South or something. Right. Because there's like with this whole movie and everyone you know everyone has their own batting average or whatever you call it in- interpretation success with thick accents it's tough right some people 
you develop an ear for it. My point just being, during this movie, at any given time, any one of the five girls might have said something that I was like, ah, I might have got the gist of that. I don't know if I got it all the way or whatever. Just, like, oh, yeah, well, you know, home is where the heart is. And it's just like, I'm not trying to be condescending. I just, it's, it's like, a bad I impression, but I just like, yeah, I just can't always catch it. So it's weird to single one person out. It's like, you guys ever watch Love Island, the UK version? Yeah. Just like I have no hope of that. understanding like, what is, the hell they're this saying. Is goofy. Yeah, you can sounds... kind of pick up on it a little bit. And if they think I sound goofy, that's fine. I'm sure I do. I'm sure we do. Yeah, um, it's okay. Um, they but... have my permission to think we're goofy. I was gonna say too, if you did give the one character, and again, if the intent, the 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 idea was like, well, if she's particularly hard to understand. Let's clear that up. But I think giving one character subtitles would just like give me a lot more questions than it would to to to, to aid me. And have me have a better time watching. <laughs> you know what I mean? They would just be like, "What the fuck is going on?" It's pretty odd. Am I crazy, or are they only giving her subtitles? That would take me a while to figure out too. When there's five characters, seven pages of notes. What do you think? I wonder what else was on there. New lyrics, but uh, drawings for new outfits they should have. Interestingly, the Los Angeles previews of Spice World went so well that Sony executives got back to uh, to the crew and said, "Rip up our notes." Yeah, we were wrong about everything. <laughs> so, nice. I don't know. I don't know what happened. Yeah. Big swing, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's early 97. Pictures wrapped. Now it's time to shop around for distribution deals. Mm-hmm. And what better way to do that than to send the Spice Girls to Cannes? I mean, it's European. It's closer to England than, than America is. Mm-hmm. It's... And uh, we have we have a picture here. I'll, we'll put it up on, on the Twitter or something. But um, they showed up at Cannes. All five of them were wearing headscarves as a nod to Grace Kelly. And was wearing like super colorful outfits. And they basically just went there to kind of advertise the girls in the movie. And it worked. Uh, they they caused, caused quite a whole little thing. <laughs> and uh, one, one thing they did in particular was they, they organized like a photo op where they stood the Spice Girls on the canopy of a fancy hotel uh the martinez hotel and um they put out a call like hey you can come take pictures of of the girls are going to be here and between five to ten thousand people uh Mm -hmm. were outside quote uh allegedly they went bonkers (laughs) according to this thing that i found well, how about that? And it's just funny to see, you know, like if you if you look at pictures of the Spice Girls at the peak of their fame, you see them like pictures meeting the Queen, meeting you know all the British royalty. Probably not super surprising. But then there's one that I found. They're meeting Nelson Mandela, <laughs> and Nelson Mandela looks so happy. That's awesome. And he went on to later say that like, oh, that was awesome. I love <laughs> these Spice Girls. <laughs> like years later. The Mandela effect originally was when you meet your favorite pop star and <laughs> kind of get a little dizzy, but then another thing happened. And again, That's what I remember the Mandela effect being, at least. Yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll corroborate. <laughs> I'm sorry. There. But I'm, I'm a little surprised that they didn't get him to be in the movie, because just about every other living celebrity was in this movie in some capacity. They're Certainly the, ones, the British ones. The ones that, act, that have uh, like substantial parts, you know, lots of scenes, lots of lines that we've talked about. Mm. Um, Alan Cumming as the documentarian. Uh, I liked he he said... Uh, quote, I bludgeoned my way into this. It's like my dream come true to work on this film. Yeah. Right. And uh, Ginger Spice would have you believe that sh- she cast Alan Cumming. I don't mm. know if that's true, mm-hmm. but she said that she saw Alan Cumming perform as Hamlet years before Spice World. Mm-hmm. And then they were uh, in the casting process. She saw his picture and said, oh, I, l- I saw this guy as Hamlet. Let's, let's <laughs> pick fun. that guy. That's fun. That's amazing. Yeah. Really amazing. And... Um, 
not to give give anything away, I guess, but we've we've kicked around the idea of of covering the movie Josie and the Pussycats mm-hmm. for the podcast, mm-hmm. and another satirical uh, movie about a girl group starring Alan Cumming. Starring Alan Cumming. He's really good. From around the same time, right? A couple years later. Right. But yeah, same time ish. Um, we talked about Meatloaf as the bus driver. Yeah. Um, there's uh, there's the joke. Yeah, we just put it in or something. That's like really good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't understand how all the toilets can break down at the same time. It's not my fault they keep breaking down. Listen, it's hard enough to get a plumber to come to your house and that stays in one place. But you try calling one out to a bus that's moving around the countryside. It's impossible. Isn't there something that you can do about them? Like what? Fix them. Listen, I love these girls and I'll do anything for them. But I won't do that. And uh, so the screenwriter, Kim Fuller, approached Meatloaf and basically asked, like, hey, do you mind saying this dumb joke that I wrote? <laughs> and he said, no, I'll say whatever you want. Hey, he's a pro. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Big pro. Um, just, a, yeah. So according to producer Barney B. Thompson, literally everyone they asked to have a cameo said yes. <laughs> um, such was the, the clamor for screen time that they ran out of parts for people and began writing in cameo scenes as filming progressed. That that um that doesn't surprise me to hear. I mean, I guess the part where no no one said no might be a little surprising, but one thing like one of the first uh things I remember having happen in the movie watching and I forget the exact thing, but they bump into Elton John is like one of the first big cameos that I recall. And he's in the movie for 5 seconds and, and it's he like, says you know, nothing. Right, exactly. That's what I was going to say is like your movie brain you you bump into him and and your movie brain tells you he's going to get a funny line or something, but they really just kind of bump into him and say hi and keep walking. It's like the, 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 that's the, maybe it's, that's just one style of cameo of like the most pedestrian shit you've ever seen down to later. Like Elvis Costello's the bartender, but I thought it'd almost be like, they'd have some zinger and uh, be like, oh, hang on. I was waiting on some bird named Allison right before this. Oh, oh turn on the radio, radio, <laughs> yeah, but so, it doesn't happen. Some of these cameos, very much, no, was, uh, <laughs> some of these cameos went very much over my head as a kid. Um, but now going, well, that was part of the fun watching it re- with you recently. Yeah, yeah. It was like, Oh, I, I think I hit you. Is, is that Elvis Costello? Yeah. Is that Elvis Costello? Elvis is in the movie. Yes, he completely is. Um, uh, and then there's a few others that, that, uh, were more familiar to me as a, as a grown up, including Stephen Fry, Hugh Laurie. Yeah. Uh, you, you mentioned Elton John, uh, and I don't know if I saw him, but apparently Gary Oldman is in this somewhere. Oh. And that's because uh, he happened to bump into the girls with his eight year old son, who was a big fan. Okay. And like, hey, you want to be in this party scene? Oh, party scene, great. Yeah. That's fun. And then a bunch of uh, I I think people that are more famous in 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 the UK. Um, including the uh, Jennifer Saunders, who's the star of Absolutely Fabulous, and I think she might d- do other mm-hmm. British comedy stuff. Um, Bob Geldof, Jules Holland, and uh, probably my my favorite, um, Bob Hoskins. Yeah, it's really unreal. He's got a very small cameo, and it even made the trailer. Like they really, mm-hmm. they were. They were delighted by Bob Hoskins' inclusion in this. Mm-hmm. Um, Jamie Curtis, one of the screenwriters, he, he uh, when he was just talking about kind of writing the script on the fly to accommodate these celebrity cameos, 
he said, uh, suddenly I'd get, I'd get a call at 7 a.m. saying, we've got Bob Hoskins today. <laughs> and the other screenwriter would call him and then they'd kind of figure out okay, <laughs> what, what can Bob Hoskins do. Uh, and by the way, what Bob Hoskins does end up doing is Mark McKinney is pitching a, a, a movie for the Spice Girls that's sort of like the Fox Force 5 thing. Oh, that's right. Right. Yeah. That Mia Wallace fiction. is in in Pulp mm-hmm. Fiction that she describes. It's, it's very much that. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure if that's a not, if it's supposed to be. It's really Feels like it. a one to one. Inspired so. by, ripped off, homage. I think, yeah, something. I think it's more just like a, re- I think it's a reference. But mm-hmm. um, so Ginger's in, in that universe, her, her ability is like, a dis- she's a master of disguise. So they show her walking into a phone booth and she spins around and then she's Bob Hoskins. It's really funny, really. Even even if on some level you're expecting cameos left and right, it's Mario, man. Eddie Valiant. Mm-hmm. And I found a, a gushing quote from Sporty Spice. Uh, excited they were to have Bob Hoskins be on the cast. <laughs> um, I just thought I really liked that a lot. Just like, who knew? Yeah. Let's see here. Oh, there were only a, a few ho- high-profile... Um, near misses of, of celebrities. Mm-hmm. Joan Collins, who I guess was up for it, but by the time she had responded back in the affirmative, it was too late mm. to coordinate it. Um, and one of the producers alle- alleges that they, they almost got Tony Blair, who oh. was the leader of the country at the time. That's pretty funny. That would have been funny. So, probably is no big surprise, but I still I still really enjoy the movie. Mm-hmm. It, it completely doesn't flow together and it doesn't even really like work yeah it's just it's very confusing it, it all just kind of happens yeah but when you just take it for what it is it's like no this is it's pretty fun and i i just i enjoy how oddly dark the jokes are like when oh yeah when we're by the uh the climax of the movie and when we oh the spice girls might not show up for the big show yeah <laughs> um, their manager just says like, "Okay, here's what I'm gonna do," and he just gives kind of a whole long thing where he's like, "I'm gonna take this rope in my hand and I'm gonna go out in front of the audience and hang myself." Yeah, it's wild. Yeah, and then when he's when they run in and save the day, he's still got the rope in his hand. <laughs> <laughs> like we are minutes he away from, fully seeing, ready, yeah. from seeing a, a live live suicide. Yeah, and if you uh, look at the director's cut, no, I'm kidding. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Okay, so this is the plan. The band starts up, the fans go wild, the lights come on, and I walk center stage and hang myself. Oh, by the way, this is my good side. My final words are, the Spice Girls, I hate them. I made a note of my favorite line in the movie, which Mm. is uh, said by... Uh, the character who's like the manager's assistant mm-hmm. uh, she says well if it makes you feel any better I've got a degree in politics, philosophy and economics and I spend my entire life worrying about whether Mel C is wearing the right Nike Air Max that's, that's funny, that's awesome 
Yeah. What, what's your takeaway? I, uh, you know, I enjoyed the chaos, the weirdness, the nineties-ness, the, that Brit, like, again, like I grew up, I liked Austin Powers. I liked the band Oasis. I'm familiar with the, that cool British invasion that happened in the nineties, even if we didn't officially declare it as such, but you do look back and go, damn, there was a lot of British things popping off. And again, just like all the Elton John, Elvis Costello, all this stuff. It was not bad. There was enough going on. Like I'm not the biggest Spice Girls fan in the world. I think they're fine. But there's enough just going on that kept my attention. I don't regret watching it. I can kind of softly recommend it. If you were like, hey, we're going to watch it again tomorrow, I'd probably go. I think I'm good. Ah, yeah, you know, like, uh, so it's like that. It's 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 a time capsule. It's a, it's a long ass music video. It's whatever, whatever. It's better than Roger Ebert thinks it is. That's what I'll say. <laughs> Completely. And uh, fun fact, you can, you can go stay on the, the big double-decker bus Apparently it was like renovated in 2019. Oh, and it's occasionally listed on Airbnb if you're ever in the Isle of Wight. There you go. Yeah, but it won't look like the movie's interior because that again was a fucking airplane hangar, right? Yeah, that had Sporty Spice's entire gym and <laughs> you know uh, Posh Spice's entire wardrobe and whatever. But nevertheless, big bus, good stuff. And it is nice that it seems to have come around largely. Like the in 2009, the British public voted. Spice World as the worst movie ever made, and then ten years later, um, it everybody sort of concedes. They backed that, off. Uh, they backed off. Yeah, this thing from the Telegraph. Everyone says, voted. They're sorry. <laughs> to rewatch the film now is to be pre- pleasantly surprised. There are no off-color jokes that have dated badly, and the sets and costuming have a now retro charm. It's mm. an irreverent, light-hearted romp that captured the brash, patriotic positivity of a London swept up in cool Britannia. Is that what they call that wave? Cool Britannia? Yeah. That's awesome. That's what it is. It's <laughs> yeah. Blur going, woohoo! It's like, yeah, man, everything's fucking cool, man. Um, Completely. Yeah, not to oversimplify, I'm sure there's a dreadful side to their fucking politics of that time or whatever. I don't know anything, but the movie, the pop culture that was coming out, the crossover stuff was good. And like that just said, and like you had said earlier, if you do have these medium to low expectations, like the funny joke comes out once in a while and stuff like that. So if you come into it with your guard down or whatever, it's pretty solid. If you want to see Scary Spice in a big NASA spacesuit that's like actually a winter coat but mild to like a spacesuit, that's pretty cool. Again, time capsule, yeah, fashion, fashion, music, whatever incredible. you want. That stuff's all fun. Yeah. But yeah, it's just like it's it's super innocent. It kind of reminds me of like Clueless. Clueless is a better movie because it's yeah. a narrative. There's a narrative structure, and but just sort and of the that mighty, like mighty boss tones. Sorry, <laughs> that hyper positivity. Like everything's colorful and just yeah, like nice. It's just, yeah, yeah. It's like to be alive in the '90s. It for a while it felt like really optimistic, and this is sort of like that's kind of that it's, it's, uh, it's in that vein a little bit. I do have something uh, like a. I think it's a good thing to end on. Just like right. a, a quote. Um, from Jamie Curtis, a screenwriter, just on on the Spice Girls. Right. They were excellent. They they really were a force. They were terrifying, particularly if you were a man. Oh, girl power. Half star. Half star. <laughs> this man gives it a half star. Just kidding. Thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. Um, we're super super digging it. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun, fun to have fun. We're enjoying it. We get video clips. We're going to promote it. Might upgrade our equipment. Might get our dog to start barking and chewing less during it. Maybe. A lot of big plans. Hey, we appreciate our, everyone listening. And double thank you to uh, to both sets of our folks for always checking it out and saying nice hey. stuff. And uh, again, I apologize for the things I said on the Basic Instinct episode. And that's a general. Like, that's not just for our fans. Sorry, David. <laughs> Spice up your life.
remember. The headless chicken can only know where he has been. He cannot see where he is going. Do not be that chicken, Clifford. <laughs>